North Carolina hold this July bar exam in person. Kimberly Herrick of the North Carolina Board of Bar Examiners joins us to explain. I'm Lawrence Cletty, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, audience. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a great show for you. But before we launch it, we'd like to thank our sponsor, NBI, the National Business Institute. Attorneys have trusted NBI with their CLE needs for over 35 years. Visit nbi-sems.com today and find out why. But don't forget to use the promo code LegalTalkNBI to get $100 off your next CLE course. All right. Thank you for being here with us, Kimberly. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and I'm a huge podcast listener, so I'm very excited to be here. Thank you oh, that's for inviting f- me. That's terrific. What's your uh, What's your favorite podcast? Non legal. I won't put you on the spot. Oh gosh, probably uh, Radio Lab. Oh, There's that's a so great many. one. Many and Judge John Hodgman, but that's that's questionably legal. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take legal. <laughs> the law always finds its way to sneak into podcasts, but that's okay. That's how we make our money. <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, Kip, you're the chair for the North Carolina Board of Bar Examiners, and you all recently decided to push forward with an in-person July bar exam during COVID-19. And I'm sure that was not an easy decision. So if I had to guess, my bet is that while many approved, uh, not everyone was totally on board with the idea, at least, at least for right now. So So let me open with this question. Uh, It's a two-part. So when did you all decide to move forward with the July in-person exam? And then what were your major deciding factors in order to go the in-person route? Okay. So the availability of questions was kind of our first thought process. The answer is it's an ongoing uh, decision. So it's not just one day that we decided we could give it in July. We had to make sure that the questions would be available from National Conference of Bar Examiners, the UBE. Then once we figured that we could do that, we we needed to make sure that we could do it safely, which we have been receiving guidance from the CDC and then uh, as well corresponding with the governor's office, um, corresponding with epidemiologists, at the UNC School of Medicine and then North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. And then we just needed to make sure we had facilities available and a backup plan for facilities. So it's the answer is it's been a very ongoing decision that we have been discussing very comprehensively all along. Yeah, just a quick follow up on that. You know, other states are, you know, they decided to go with uh, diploma privilege as a possible option. Some are doing like a temporary admittance status until the bar exam can come back up uh, in their state. But, uh, you know, others, you know, they've done an online bar exam. So how come those other options were not considered? And the diploma privilege, I think, for the states that have adopted it is sort of an extreme last resort and it's a, a temporary diploma privilege with a lot of restrictions placed on it. That option just wasn't really feasible for us based on the number of law schools we have and other factors that we took into consideration. Uh, With regards to the online bar exam, the online bar exam that is offered by the National Conference of Bar Examiners is offered as an emergency option for states that are unable to administer the uniform bar exam. And there's no, and they, they, they're pretty clear about this on their site. There's no support for it. There's no follow-up with the grading. It's just a much lesser 
bar exam and it doesn't result in any sort of reciprocity uh, with states that give the uniform bar exam. And I know there's a little bit of reciprocity that states are now extending to each other. And I guess, you know, it's not until October. And the general consensus that we've been able to receive is that applicants in North Carolina are very much in favor of having a bar exam if we can do it in July when we regularly administer it. Well, at this point in the process, you know, what what series of events would have to occur for you to call off the exam? And then I guess second part of that is how many confirmed participating applicants do you have right now? Right now we have 751. And if public health experts or the governor's office told us that we were not able to proceed in July, then we would need to use our backup plan, which is to administer it in September. I believe it's September 9th and 10th. And we've still got our facilities available to do it then. So that's really, as far as I'm concerned, we are planning on going ahead with it unless we are told that we can administer it safely. You all sent a uh, notification out to the bar applicants for this round of the bar exam, and uh, it laid out what would be required of them for safety and what you all expected them to do in advance. And so can we talk about some of those expectations that you laid out in this notification? Absolutely. You know, all along, we've been uh, following CDC guidelines. That's kind of how our setup began. And that included the uh, having everybody familiarize themselves with the best practices uh, to wear a protective face covering, to bring their own sanitizer. It's always been a socially distanced event. Uh, We have always had applicants who are taking an exam a certain distance from each other just for test security purposes. So we kind of did that, but to a greater extreme and with more check-in procedures that were tailored to uphold the the physical distancing requirement. And then we've also, you know, added a requirement that the masks stay on the whole time. And one of the next requirements is that applicants report to us if they exhibit any symptoms. And we've got a whole list of symptoms. And prior to even showing up on exam day, they've already been provided with a comprehensive checklist of everything that is considered, you know, currently to be a symptom of uh, COVID-19. At check-in, we're actually going to have healthcare professionals performing temperature checks, and all of us are going to be educated in spotting any sort of symptoms on the exam day. So, you know, just notifying us if they have any symptoms, even though they're all going to be physically distanced uh, within the inside of the exam facilities. And then we've got procedures by the CDC were we to have an instance of anybody exhibiting any sort of, of symptoms. Well, my next question for you is a logistics question, sort of based on the facility where you're holding the bar exam. And so I'm sure you had to make some modifications to the layout of the test-taking center. But uh, what were those? Like, how are you making it uh, as safe as you possibly can for everybody? 
So typically for the July bar, we can fit all of the applicants inside what's called the Jim Graham building. It's a 95,000 square foot building at the fairgrounds. It's what you would describe as cavernous. It's a huge building, very high ceiling. What we did was we also are utilizing the building next door, which is called the Exposition Center. And then we are sending all of our uh, special accommodations and handwriting applicants to a conference center that's roughly, you know, 10 minutes away called the McKimmon Center at uh, North Carolina State University. And so what we've done is we've got separate entrances. We've divided the applicants between the buildings, and then we've divided the interiors into quadrants, and then the quadrants, uh, the desks are going to be spaced at least six feet apart. Most of them will be more than that. Applicants will be coming in separate entrances, and the entrances are going to be marked so nobody comes within six feet of each other. Uh, we will have touchless check-in and sort of streamlined to get them to their desks as soon as possible. And then upon leaving, they will be leaving in stages. We'll stagger it so there's not a mass exodus at the conclusion of each day. You know, earlier you talked about an isolation room, I believe, uh, if somebody was to report symptoms. And so I just wanted to know what, what happens. What's the next step? If somebody starts feeling sick, like, hey, I can't taste something. I, I maybe have some uh, symptoms that are suspicious. What are the next steps? What happens? That would be, well, we would, we would engage in contact tracing and basically, you know, we've got a seating chart. So we know where everybody is at all times during test administration. So we would have them uh, removed from the testing, the actual room where the testing is occurring. And then we would engage in, um, you know, gathering a list of, of everybody who was uh, near them at that point. So, and then, you know, contact public health officials and let them know that we have somebody who appears to be symptomatic. Gotcha. And then are they allowed to go after that? I mean, it, I mean, I just, I was looking at that when I was reading that requirement, I was like, that sounds like a house arrest or something, you know, if you get yeah. sick and being arrested at the bar right. exam. So. No, we're just, you know, and actually based on the, the conversations that we've had with public health officials, since we are already engaging in physical distancing the whole time, it's really just necessary to get them get them away from the the actual test administration that's going on without disrupting the test administration and then just getting the contact tracing so no there's there's going to be no uh nobody having to stay against their will it's just they, they won't be they won't be remaining in the test room if they become symptomatic Gotcha. Gotcha. So I have just a couple of more questions. One's a matter of curiosity. So I remember taking the bar exam and like one of the first things I did was scope out the nearest restroom because I've been drinking a ton of caffeine for several days on end, you know, just trying to maintain that edge as you're getting more and more fatigued. And so, you know, uh, I guess with that, you know, how does that work? I mean, obviously, you know, COVID-19 uh, infections and things like that. How is that? How have you worked that process out for people that need to use the restroom? Right, and we're going to have somebody stationed at every every door that anybody's going to need to go in and out, including restrooms. It'll be just kind of like any other facility that is engaging in occupancy limitation. So there'll be a proctor or a staff member or board member. All of the board members will be present. So I just want to make sure everybody knows we're not 
mandating this from some Zoom meeting and then saying, you know, good luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so we will have somebody stationed at every restroom entrance monitoring who goes in and out. I have not been to the facility myself to eyeball what the what the restroom situation is regarding opening the door. I'm I'm guessing that the doors will just kind of remain open so nobody has to touch any uh, door handles. Is that does that kind of address that issue? That the, <laughs> yeah. you will not have to uh, dehydrate <laughs> yourself before you come to the uh, to the building. Yeah, no, there's uh, a fine line between too much information and not enough yeah. there. But uh, <laughs> now it's just a matter of curiosity. So, uh, you know, I, I just recently flew on a plane and like I did not use the restroom on the plane, you know, just for because I was uh, where, where I was arriving were older people and I was just doing everything I possibly could to, uh, you know, stay out of an infection hazard. But uh, last question for you, you know, I, I know that most bar applicants tend to be fairly young and as such, they're not squarely within the crosshairs of uh, COVID-19 necessarily, but uh, I would imagine some of your staff and some of the contractors may or may not be spring chickens anymore. And so I just want to, as a, as a last question, ask, you know, what are you doing to protect the staff? You know, you got a lot of gathering of big people. And so what precautions are you making? Well, and we're doing a lot to train everybody. Everybody is receiving the same training, which is the CDC practices. We're doing a lot of uh, sanitizing and disinfecting. Everybody is required to wear a mask at all times. Our proctors will be provided with with gloves for the pickup and distribution of materials. And just, you know, the facilities are large enough that it is possible if everybody observes physical distancing that, you know, people will stay at a safe distance from each other all day. I mean, it's almost a presumption that anybody could potentially have the illness. So we're just sort of treating it overall, like avoid closeness and wear the the mask and just sanitize everything all day. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kimberly. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We'll cite our sources for this episode on our website, legaltalknetwork.com. Also, once again, thank you to our sponsor because no bucks, no buck Rogers. NBI, the National Business Institute. You can find them at nbi-sems.com. And don't forget the promo code LegalTalkNBI to receive $100 off your next CLE. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Clitty. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>